more need to be said about Britney Spears' debut hit Signal? Probably not. Do you need to hear about it from two grown men? Almost definitely not. Yet 21 years later, the pop singer has re-entered the spotlight in a vicious court battle with her father, who currently has conservatorship, essentially full control, over her career due to her being unfit to manage it herself. It brings into question whether she ever recovered from her meltdowns in the mid-2000s. Before all of this, though, Britney was a world-famous hitmaker by the time she was 18. Controversy followed her from the beginning. A video for Baby One More Time was deemed to be too racy for such a young girl. Her baby doll Rolling Stone cover had people up in arms again. Her relationship with Justin Timberlake, followed by Kevin Federline. Despite all this, the music endures. Her debut single has sold over 10 million copies worldwide and can still be heard everywhere. She completed one of the most successful Vegas residencies in history during the 2010s. Now at 39 years old, Britney appears ready to return to the stage. Today on Hidden Jukebox, we discuss Britney Spears' debut single, Baby One More Time. Uh, did you watch the doc? I did watch the doc. I also watched the doc. What did you think? I thought it was very good. Um, I uh, I thought I did feel like it could have been split out into like four episodes. Like they, there was a whole lot going on, and uh, very little of it was about the music, which I wanted them to talk about some more. But th- that's our job, yeah, right? Um, I thought it was an interesting look into what is going on right now. Because to be perfectly honest, I didn't know anything about this conservatorship. I don't know how somebody gets into that other than being mentally unfit to take care of a insanely large amount of money themselves and who who figures that that's the case like it's it's all really really interesting yeah but but what does a judge see that makes them go sorry i know that you're in your 30s but your dad has to take care of all of your money for you i don't know i mean that was uh that's kind of what the documentary is about, and it, it was and continues to be a very odd situation. The thing I didn't realize was that two two stand-up comics that I've seen perform before were going to turn out to be pivotal figures in this story. What? <laughs> uh, Barbara, Gray, Barbara Gray and Tess Barker apparently have a Britney podcast where they talk about Britney's Instagram and, uh, and invented the free Britney hashtag. So have you taken a look at uh, Britney's Instagram? Uh, I did a couple years ago when everyone was talking about it. I haven't recently. It's it's fascinating. Um, sometimes it's like, okay, yeah, I mean, she was a pop star. This seems totally normal. And other times it's like, what is she doing? What is she talking about? Sure. Um, one of the notes I had for this is I I draw these parallels in my own mind, like not, not something that I've researched to her career in Michael Jackson's. Um, sure. They... They both seem to have this kind of disconnect to what real life was, basically because at such an early age, like she was in the Mickey Mouse Club by the time she was like 10 years old, she was on Star Search. They never had a, you know, I went to elementary school and middle school and was a normal kid with friends. So you watch these documentaries and things, and it's like, I'm not sure that she has any close friends her age. She's basically lived in hotel rooms and lived under a microscope for so long yeah. that like what sh- what we consider as normal may have never even existed in her life. Yeah, I mean one of the things I was thinking about um 
while I was watching the documentary is that you you have no control over how famous you become if you want to be famous. Right. So like, you know, most people who want to be famous never get even a little famous. Some of them get like so famous that they can no longer really like move through the world as a as a person uh, without, you know, someone trying to touch them or take a picture of them at all times. And then some people have what seems like like a uh, a fun level of famous, like Bad Religion, for example. My you know my favorite band. They are they are never going to have a number one record, but uh, they can they can fill a pretty good sized venue and people love them. Right. Uh, and they can go out on tour and make money when you know when touring is possible. Uh, I don't think anyone really wants to be Britney Spears level of famous, but you can't control it. Right. They, like. They make a big deal about the time that she was hanging out with Lindsay Lohan and uh, Paris Hilton. Right. And it's like, well, first off, of course, you weren't going to make a big deal about it if she was hanging out with her friend Rhonda from down the street when they were kids. And second, who else was she supposed to be hanging out with? Right. These were the people who were kind of in her circle. And because they were, you know, racy and and always had controversy surrounding them it's like oh three girls in a car together that are all controversial this is paparazzi gold that i'm glad you mentioned that because i remember thinking during the show which by the way everyone should watch this documentary it's not very long it's on hulu it's very good um like i think probably paris hilton got robbed also right right like i think probably paris hilton is fine right and and was uh you know turned into a character by the media well, let's talk about this song um, specifically because it, it's it's hard to really overstate how absolutely enormous this was. Yes. Um, 10 million copies for a single in its first year alone. It's the biggest selling album in history by a teen artist. Um as, as I read, this is true. In 2020, Rolling Stone named this song the greatest debut single of all time. Take that, Love Me Do by the Beatles. I mean, would anyone put that in their top 10 Beatles songs? No, but I mean, like, it put the biggest band of all time on the map. But it's true. In terms of success, it wasn't even close to as successful as as Baby One More Time was. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. And like, you know, I, I just like let myself do it for 10 minutes, like talk about anything other than the music because because Britney Spears has like such a larger than life public image. But like, do you remember like I remember very well, like how people talked about uh, not not just like Britney as a as a personality, but the music itself when it came out. Because like that was the thing that they didn't talk much about in the in the documentary is like the way people addressed the music was very similar to the way they addressed, you know, her persona as a whole. Like, you know, is is the music like too, too dirty for young girls? Like, is it bubblegum pop? And like, you know, we're all idiots for listening to it. And there was a kind of a collective like, you know, thank God this is going away soon because it's so obviously disposable pop. We won't have to be talking about this next year. And like everyone was completely wrong about everything yeah it's it's totally true and and admittedly when this came out i'm like oh this is the problem with the music industry right now is that they are allowing garbage like this to be the most popular thing around uh 
again, as though record companies have total control over how many people listen to or like something, which right, they don't. Right, but also, like, I mean, first of all, like, you know, if people do want to listen to a bad song, who cares? Like, is someone going to die? No. But this song is fantastic. It's, this is one of my favorite songs. Um, I, I wouldn't go that far, but it is a very well-written song. Like, I wouldn't have, like, pulled it out, like, if you asked me what are my favorite songs, but, like, you know, I listened to it 20 times in the last week, and it is thrilling every time. This is a masterpiece. I I want everybody to go to YouTube and w- look up the video, Baby One More Time, live in Hawaii. It oh, is I from, don't think I've seen this. It is from 2016, and it's just a performance of the song, but... You know, in 2016, she was uh, 35 years old, mm-hmm. and she's completely killing it on stage. Like, a full dance troupe, videos, lights, sound. I feel like this is the type of thing that people take for granted, is how much work goes into putting something like that together. There are so many things that can go wrong. One of the dancers falls down. Some of the pyrotechnics don't go off right. We know what what happens there. Right. Uh, the screen goes dark. The thing that lifts her up into the air malfunctions. Like mm-hmm. everything is choreographed. Demons. <laughs> demons pop out because that's what happens in Hawaii. Is they've got a lot of demons down there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's incredible to watch and for somebody to still be able to do that at 35 and and completely nail it is really really impressive and it and it showcases how good of a song this is yeah um so this song was written by max martin uh a a swedish guy who has written uh many many hit songs 23 number one songs the 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 biggest hit maker in history only behind paul mccartney and john lennon yeah and like you know one of the things people talked about when the song came out was like you know can she even sing and like it's clear from the documentary that absolutely she can like there's a clip of her singing at like age 10 and she is killing it um this is just like how records were produced at this time you know it's like we've got all these new toys to play with them let's put them on every recording so the vocals are very processed Everything's um, very processed. Everything's very processed. But but when you listen to it through through headphones, it's processed in such a well produced way. Yes. So it, it doesn't sound tacky or overdone. You can pull out each individual thing that's going on and they've done it over the top but almost tastefully. Yeah. I like Going back and listening to the bass line and the way it works with the drums and doom doom, doom. and this is a as a dance single and not just as a teen pop hit. It's it's a well written dance single. Yeah, um, yeah. I was, I, like I said, this is one of my favorite songs. This isn't even my favorite Britney song. Toxic is my favorite Britney song. Um, Toxic is everybody's favorite Britney song because yeah. it is such an amazingly good song. Yeah. But uh, so there's a thing that happens in this song. So uh, near the end, uh, and like, I think I probably heard the song a hundred times before I even noticed that this was what, what is going on. So the, the song has a very recognizable chorus, you know, um, my loneliness is killing me. Uh, and then the, after the second to last chorus, 
there is an alternate version of the chorus where where the it has different lyrics and it's like uh you know held back like it's like it's you know the response from a call and response yeah you know you know what i'm talking about so yep. it's the i must confess then my loneliness. So they do the regular chorus. Then they do that one. Then there's like a, a dramatic pause with a, like a dramatic acapella part. And then they do them superimposed. Yeah, it's it's incredible. I, I looked up the lyrics for this song. And because there's no real way to label that, somebody labeled it as a bridge after the interlude. But right. I, I don't know if I would call it a bridge. No, I think it's an alternate chorus. That's the other thing about the song, of course, that people talk about, like, was was she encouraging domestic violence? Which is so dumb. I mean, I get it. It's called, like, the main lyric is, hit me, baby, one more time. But come on. Yeah. That's not um, what it's about. Like, it's, you know, it is so, it, it's not weird to me because, like, like, you know, misogyny is everywhere. But, like, everything about Britney Spears and her music was was treated by a huge number of people as, like, a problem that needed to be solved. And and it wasn't. Like, one right. of the things that, that I think about is that it's it's almost like the... the like she had no control over her career and she didn't know what she was doing and they were just using her as a tool. And to me, it's like, no, it's the opposite. She was a marketing genius. She knew that she yeah. was beautiful. She knew she was talented and she totally wasn't afraid to like put it all out there and and like let let herself be this larger than life persona. Um, yeah, totally. And uh, and also people can dress however they want. <laughs> it's true. And, and, uh, and just like if you're not wearing like something with a racist symbol on it, like just go for it. Well, you remember like the the video for this song. First, people are like, "Whoa, the schoolgirl thing! Come on, you can't do that." And and it's like, well, girls loved it because they wanted to be here, and guys loved it because they're like, "She's gorgeous." And then the Rolling yeah, Stone like, cover comes out, and, which. <laughs> I had forgotten. So I'm like, I was like, you mentioned the Rolling Stone cover. I'm like, oh yeah, I vaguely remember this. What did this look like? And the thing, the thing I noticed immediately when I pulled it up is that she is holding a corded phone. Well, it's <laughs> Which, it, it's 1999. It was like that, know, that sweet spot. Where, like, I think I uh, no, I did not still talk on a corded phone in 1999, but like 1997, I did. I, I think I'd got a cordless phone. I, I was living in yeah. my own place for the first time, and I thought, "Oh yeah, no, I I, I, for, I totally forgot about cordless phones." Yeah, like in between cell phones <laughs> right. and cordless phones, there you could walk all around your house with a corded phone. Yes, and I, and I thought Freedom. that I was like like really moving up in the world at that point because I had gone cordless. Yes. Yeah. No, I remember we were all 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 talking about like how what was your next step going to be. <laughs> <laughs> it was a tiny little flip cell phone. Oh, which, yeah, yeah, of course. Which I is, had one. Which is like what drug dealers use now. So it was like I was a drug dealer in 1999. Yeah, you were going places. <laughs> um, so I was trying to think about, like, was anybody really uh, influenced by Britney Spears? And, and, yes. And so I started looking this up, and Miley Cyrus specifically says that her biggest influence ever in music was Britney Spears. I think let's talk about Miley Cyrus for a minute actually. I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up because I believe I feel like Miley Cyrus got the same treatment that Britney Spears did like within the last 10 years, right? Well, yeah, she you know, she 
start to become controversial because she was this uh, kind of kids performer growing up and when you're when you're a performer for the disney channel and for children you're you're not supposed to become sexy or racy or anything like that and when she hit her like 18 19 20 year old phase all of a sudden she didn't want to be hannah montana anymore. right and and it was like no but you can't do that but she could and she's got absolutely fantastic songs yes um have you did we talk about this last time have you seen her cover of zombie uh, she's been doing a lot of covers lately yeah i've seen that have you seen her cover of say hello to heaven no i don't think i have it's amazing and she's being backed by temple of the dog oh that's great okay i will i will look for that Yeah, like Miley Cyrus, like is you know is a is a great singer and a, a great performer and is someone who is willing, like like more so than I think Britney Spears was ever allowed to do, like is willing to try weird shit and fail, and, like and, in a very kind of like a grown up you know artist kind of way. Right, like like she kind of holds up her middle finger at the record label and says things aren't the way they used to be you can't have control over everything that i do and i'm going to do what i want lady gaga kind of does the same thing where it's like i i'm going to write my own music right. i'm not going to take your your shit i like if i want to wear the weirdest thing you've ever seen in your life on stage i'm going to do it and you can't tell me what to do yeah, so it's interesting to think about like what uh, like you know interesting projects Britney Spears might have gotten involved in had she not been under the total control of her father from two thousand three to present. Right. Well, she she made a large fortune in general, but when she got her residency in Vegas, which I think was around 2010, 2012, yeah, I, I have to look right. it up. Um, she performed for three or four years there, and she was making about. Uh, $300,000 a show and and putting on 50 shows a year and basically just hanging out in Vegas and people would take trips to Vegas just to see Britney Spears. And this yeah. was, what, 10 years past what most people would consider her prime? Yeah, but but I mean, not her fans. Well, free Britney, right? Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, you rarely cleared more than like two hundred and fifty thousand for a PKE meter show, right? Uh, right, right. Uh, for people who don't know, that was my first band. I mean, one, <laughs> one time, one time we probably performed for like one hundred and twenty people That's in good. one space. Yeah. It, um, no, it's not, but I appreciate that. <laughs> um, no, but uh, Katy Perry, Taylor Swift. Demi Lovato, Selena Gomez, Lady Gaga, Ariana Grande, like all of these performers are like this kind of reignited female pop superstar thing that was being done before by Janet Jackson, Madonna, Tina Turner, Mariah Carey. It felt like there was this break in between like the early 90s and the late 90s where there were a few in there, but but these superstar female solo artists kind of were taken out of the picture for a while and Britney Spears seemed to and Christina Aguilera around the same time seemed to reignite that flame 
Yep. Um, and it, it, it's continuing to this day. Like, there's you you look at the Grammys last week, and Taylor Swift won Album of the Year, and uh, Megan The Stallion won Best New Artist, mm-hmm. and and these larger than I know life I've mentioned this before pop stars. But there was there was like a one week period two week, two years ago or so where I was talking about how how great Megan The Stallion was, and like nobody I knew had heard of her. This is like the only thing. It's the only thing I've ever gotten right. Uh, no, I I feel like you say this all the time. Like every every time you bring up a a band or a, an artist on this show, and luckily Megan the Stallion, I know who, who she is now. But you'll be like, have you heard the new single by Fill In Random Band that nobody's ever heard yeah. of here? Oh, have you heard the new Fill In Random single? Yeah, they're from I, Scotland. They're they're great Scottish techno pop. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it's it's always something that I haven't heard of. So despite the fact that you might have known who Megan the Stallion was before uh, everybody else did, at least this is one where I'm like, oh, yeah, I know who she is. She's killing it right now. Uh, yeah. Oh, speaking. Well, I, I don't know. Like what, what else about Britney do we want to talk about? Because uh, I, I have some other things. But <laughs> uh, um, I mean, that that's the thing is like she she has had a 20 plus year career now. And the th- the thing that that like going back and listening to this that I really think about is that nobody expected that from her. That it right. se- like it seems like like a pop star that they're almost exploiting the fact that she's a teenage pop star shouldn't still be famous when she's not even remotely a teenager anymore, and she's right. huge still. the The other thing I want to talk about was uh, she was discovered by the infamous Lou Pearlman. And for people who don't know who Lou Pearlman is, he put together the Backstreet Boys and InSync, um, as well as LFO, which, uh, remind me what that stands for, Matthew? Oh, uh, Light Funky Ones. Light. That's L-Y-T-E, Funky Ones. That that, that uh, just makes it that much worse. Uh-huh. Um, Lou Pearlman was like a marketing genius in terms of reigniting the pop boy band and trying to do the girl band thing um and it turns out the entire thing he was doing was a ponzi scheme swindling all of these kids out of millions of dollars uh the kids when they became adults came back and went yo this guy owes us a ton of money and a judge sentenced him to 25 years in jail uh where he died four years ago wow yeah i i mean it's an interesting story and Brittany actually escaped his uh evil clutches because he tried to put her into a group called Innocence, spelled S E N S E. And uh I think it was her mom who said, No, we're gonna try this on her own and see how she does as a solo artist. Good work, Lynn Spears. <laughs> there you go. Uh could we put together a, a super group? Not, um, not a super group, just uh, just like like a, a singing, you know, a vocal group. I, I was going to say, there's, exploit it. There's just not quite enough people out there who think that we're super. Um, how's how are your dancing skills? Uh, I can I can kick a leg. <laughs> I, is that I, what dancing is? That, n- no, not not the slightest. <laughs> I think I'm thinking of karate. Yeah, that that. Well, we could be a, a karate boy band. We go, oh my God, we could be a karate boy band. I was thinking we would be the managers and like discoverers of the band and just steal all the money, but but you seem to think we're going to be a boy band. 
we're, a we're, karate boy band. We're and I think we should. What would we be called? Uh, the Lou Perlmans. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, what else did you want to say about Britney Spears? How about how about Cobra Guy? Cobra Guy, I love it. <laughs> um, other stuff about Britney Spears. Well, like I. You know, I think there are a bunch of Britney songs that I don't know because, like, I've rarely listened to a whole Britney album uh, that I probably should know. Don't you think? Uh, well, so um, when when we were first starting to do Hidden Jukebox, we discussed this album and we both went back and looked it up and went, oh, actually, Britney's put out. I think eight or nine albums now. Yeah. But this album, Baby One More Time, only has one hit song off of it, Baby One yeah. More Time. So it didn't make sense to do it as an album. And okay. really, like, I think most people who, uh, uh, except for the big Britney fans, they'd go back and look at this and go, I, I don't know anything off of this. Um. Okay. But yeah, like, uh, I mean, I think like the like diehard Britney fans would. But also, right. like, I can listen, you know, on my on my personal time, I can listen to an album not from the 90s. This is true. And uh, none of the rest of our albums were from the 90s. Right. And we, we really are at the tail end of the 90s here in terms of what we're covering. Um, but, like, her next three, four albums somehow were not as big as this one. But, but we're had still more very big. Them. Oh, she was a huge, huge hit maker. Um, one, one other thing that I want to talk about, not necessarily in terms of, of her, but the fact that this sold 10 million copies kind of says where the industry still was at this point. It was about five years after this that uh, digital media kind of killed the record industry. But uh, 2004, I think, is when InSync No Strings Attached came out. Oh, uh, this this album, Baby One More Time, sold 10 million copies in its first year. The biggest selling album in its first week is In Sync, No Strings Attached, which sold 2.4 million copies in one All week. Right. Uh, and uh, how many did Boogie with the Hoodie sell? <laughs> it's it was, like 40? I think like it was 40. 760 or, or something <laughs> yeah. like that. So so that should put in perspective where the music industry is now in terms of the way that people sell music versus where it was then. It's just hmm. not really possible anymore to sell copies of an album this way. Like nowadays, I look at like how, how many monthly listeners somebody has on Spotify right. to try and gauge how big they are. Um, this very what i consider obscure artist thundercat uh one i mean thundercat appeared on a kendrick lamar album yes but 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 as a solo artist as a solo uh, artist that's fair he just won a grammy for i think best contemporary r&b album Mm -hmm. and so so i'm like that's so odd he must have no listeners and i went into spotify this morning and he has five million monthly listeners that's good, that, right? That's really good. He, he could be he could be making as much as like four dollars from Spotify that, for that. That's that's kind of where I'm going with yeah. like the way the music industry now is compared to back then. Like uh, somebody made the point that Mariah Carey, "All I Want for Christmas Is You," gets a million, eleven million cop or sorry, eleven million plays every Christmas, and that nets her something like eight thousand dollars. Yeah, I mean, I do think probably she's doing okay, <laughs> at least money-wise. Oh, yeah, she's not hurting. Um, okay, so to per- put in perspective, 
uh, Megan Thee Stallion has 31.5 million listeners per month on okay. Spotify. And and the, she's certainly not the biggest artist on there. So right. it's not like music isn't popular anymore. It's just that the way that it's sold nowadays is completely different. And Britney was on the tail end of that level that you could make a lot of money off of just selling albums, which brings us back to the original point of she doesn't own any of her music right now because right. her dad has control of everything. Um, and, and you watch performances of her now, and even if she might be a little bit crazy on Instagram, the girl still got it, and she still understands what it takes to be a superstar. And I, I'm certainly not on the side of her dad here. I am. I am on the side of. <laughs> thanks. Uh, thanks for clarifying. I. I mean, I don't think that that many people are, but it's just shocking that some, somebody can't step in at this point and be like, "Give the woman back her money." Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's a a still unfolding story right now. Yeah, which to the point, she is still relevant after twenty plus years of being in music. Right, Even and the thing so. Like, you know, artists like this who are, you know, super talented. I don't know whether whether Britney writes songs like, um, you know, does like on her on her later albums. Does she does she like have co-writing credits? I don't know the answer. I, I don't should. know the answer either. I don't think so. But I don't know. You know, I think it would be it would be unlikely for someone to like, you know, live in the world that she has for so long and not have some skills to write her own songs or or, or choose who she collaborates with. Like, you know, people people in her position or like in Katy Perry's position, like don't you know, they don't have the kind of control over career, their career and like who they work with and, you know, what kind of songs they put out that comparable male artists get like. You know, a a Britney Spears like you know is talented enough to you know, I don't I don't even know like who to compare her to, but like you know to, to like make make a bunch of weird albums and get old and continue putting out weird albums uh, if that's what she wants to do, but is like you know in the in her case like not allowed to do that be, by a court, yeah. Um, you know, and in the case of like you know, Katy Perry has like put out a series of, of of mediocre albums where it's clear like you know she you know has like some stuff she wants to say and uh, and you know wants to try something a little different and is clearly getting pushback from her team or her label or whoever saying like eh you know we can you can do like sneak a little of that in there but you know it has to be a Katy Perry album in a way that that has not been very successful either artistically or financially. Well, well uh, Garth Brooks in the '90s, at the height of his popularity, yeah, fucking Chris Gaines, Chris, right? Chris Gaines, which apparently they're doing a reissue with a bunch of new Chris Gaines songs. <laughs> something that I'm pretty sure absolutely nobody was looking for. <laughs> yeah, like um, like male performers are allowed a little bit more. Uh, I don't know if to, you can call it creative license, but just like yeah. Uh, like they get more leniency to do whatever the hell they want when they become huge. Yeah, I think Beyonce being I mean, I don't I don't know, like, you know, the details of what Beyonce has not been allowed to do, but like publicly seems to be a major exception. Right. Yeah. Um, um, well, I uh, I think that about wraps it up on Britney. Yeah. Um, I know that this is not in our wheelhouse at all. As I said, I don't know if anybody needs to listen to two grown men talk about Britney Spears, but uh, 
I really appreciate her in a way that I didn't when she originally yeah, uh, same hit here. the scene. It's it's impressive what she's done, and uh, I think that people should go back and take a listen if they've always been Britney haters. Hashtag free Britney. Yeah, a uh, couple couple things for me. Um, as as usual, I'm going to name a band that you don't know that that I'm really into lately. Uh, are you familiar with the band Ash? They're from Ireland. I I seemed to remember and then confirmed that I think they their first single came out in 1994 when I was in college. Uh, and, and did okay on like college radio and uh, they put out an album in 2018 called islands that i stumbled across spotify recommended it to me and it is such like it is the most like straight ahead rock album it is so catchy and uh probably the best song on it is called buzzkill and the chorus just goes killing my fucking buzz buzzkill <laughs> <laughs> so I definitely recommend that. Also, also their their first hit was in 1994, and the singer is younger than me, so I hate him. Oh, nice. Um, Check us out at hiddenjukebox.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash hiddenjukebox, on Instagram.com slash jukeboxhidden, uh, on all of your favorite uh, podcast platforms. And until next time, I'm Jake Amster. And I'm Matthew Amster Burton. One more time.